White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Good afternoon and welcome in to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. This is ESPN 1000. Just like the big voice guy said, Sox fans, 2023 ticket plans are available right now. We offer a variety of plans. And when you lock in today, you'll get flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash season tickets. Welcome into the first show in February. As the kids say, that hits a little different. Why? Because it's the, it's the first show in a month where there will be baseball played in a very long time. We are coming up on the opening of spring training. I actually wrote all these down so you can set your watches to the calendar here. We are three weeks from game one of the spring training schedule for the White Sox. That's February 25th, and that game will be right here, of course, on ESPN 1000. We're 11 days from pitchers and catchers reporting in Glendale, Arizona, and 16 days, February 20th, from the very first full squad workout. White Sox have Andrew Benintendi in the mix, although I I would imagine he's there a little bit earlier, but still, the first day you see Andrew Benintendi in his new uniform. Uh, Eight weeks, four days. From opening day today, eight weeks and four days. White Sox play the defending champion Houston Astros, of course. Baseball's doing it a little bit differently this year than it has years past. Used to be, for a long time, the defending World Series champion would open at night and kind of kick up, maybe it was a Wednesday night or sometimes a Thursday night, I think, Uh, and then you'd kick off the rest of the the weekend with the Friday day games in, in cold weather cities and Saturday and Sunday and so forth and so on. You get an off day here and there in some of those cold weather, here, cold weather cities, uh, and then pop back to finish the three-game series. Not the case this year. White Sox and Astros are one of four night games. Sox and Astros, 6.08 Central Time. Pre-game show, the whole shebang right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Angels play the A's out west, Dodgers and Diamondbacks. The Cleveland Guardians are out west to face the Mariners. Those are all your your late schedule. I think it's like a 10:07 start for the Angels and A's, and then 10:10, uh, or rather 9:10 uh, local time for all the the other two games there. So we are we're getting closer. I promise you, we're getting closer and closer to actual baseball. Very much looking forward to it. We'll be down in Arizona in just a couple of weeks to help bring White Sox baseball to you here on ESPN 1000 and perhaps in some other places as well. So kind of a grab bag show this afternoon. A bunch of different things kind of pieced together. And and two of them, two of the big ticket items, at least you know from my perspective here, are kind of some some national headline stuff. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number you want to get involved And I want to talk a little bit about a minor league trade that got done yesterday between the White Sox and the Red Sox. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, White Sox picked up Franklin German, a minor league right-hander. White Sox sent 26-year-old righty Theo Denlinger to Boston in return. German was Boston's minor league pitcher of the year last year, 2022. He was DFA'd earlier in the week. Hard-throwing reliever. More on him later. The Sox designated Jason Billis, 25-year-old lefty, for assignment. Uh, and we'll also talk about pitching depth, starting pitching depth mostly, uh, but some reliever stuff too with the acquisition of German. And, uh, of course, all that in light of what we know and what we don't know 
about Mike Clevenger. If you look around on White Sox Twitter, and I love you, White Sox. I do. I do. We love White Sox Twitter. And, and the reason I bring it up here is because these, uh, you know, some of these headlines, in quotes, have, you know, made their way onto the shows. You know, Waddle and Sylvie have talked about it a little bit. And Carmen Yurk have talked about it a bit. Cap J. Hood and Chris and Adam. I think they've, they've talked about it some, but haven't really, really hit it with the, the big headline stuff. Because there's NFL going on and the general talk shows and all that other, you know, there's the Super Bowl and the Bears have that number one pick and everything else like that. But here we kind of get to dig into it a little bit deeper. And the two kind of... Let's just let's just see. I've got a. I think White Sox fans have a little beef here, with some national outlets, with some some news making outlets. Uh, some of it is absolutely warranted. Some of it is is looking for a little bit of a fight, and I think that's absolutely fair to want to do. You're a fan of your team. You want to stick up for some of the guys or some of the projections or some of the uh, just some of the good feels that you want throughout the season. I get that too. So I kind of wanted to sort through a handful of those issues here at the start of the show today. We'll start with the big league concern and then work our way to the minor league concern. But the two, the two pieces of beef, the way I see it today, are a list that MLB Network or MLB.com, they work in, in tandem, one right after the other. They came out with a list of the top 10 starting pitchers right now. They always do. They have for a while. Uh, the first White Sox to make that list was Liam Hendricks. I believe he was seven or eight on the top relievers uh, right now. Oh, and some news on, on how you can uh, send well wishes to Liam Hendricks a little bit later on as he battles uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and is working himself back from that. They So that list was relievers. The, the starters came out just recently, and there was an omission there that White Sox fans are particularly upset about, and I think you've got good cause, and a lot of other places are as well. The other beef, the other slab of meat here that I've got some, some issues with, um, or at least want to talk about quite a bit, because I think it's a position and a player that could be a big factor on the White Sox in 2023, are, you know, this is the time of year where we get prospect rankings. MLB.com, Pipeline, they do a great job. It's a bunch of different people, uh, uh, kind of a, a group that goes ahead and puts together their top 100 baseball prospectus, uh, pardon, Baseball America, Keith Law of The Athletic, uh, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN.com. They've all got their top 100 or top 101 prospects out. I think Fangraphs has theirs out as well, and I think they do like 111 or something like that because they feel like it. They can. And Colson Montgomery, the top prospect for the White Sox, is featuring very high on some of those lists. As high as 15, we'll tell you from who in just a little bit. Uh, and Oscar Colas, who many think is the second best prospect in the White Sox system, and a guy who's got essentially a, if not a clear path, then certainly a, a very obvious one to being the opening day right fielder for the Chicago White Sox in 2023, was on some lists. He was on some lists, but not on others. So I, I kind of wanted to step through some of the reasons why. Um, why it may matter, why it might not, and what's going to be kind of the big effect for the White Sox for you know overall from a from a scouting perspective for the White Sox and Oscar Colas coming up. But I, like I said, I wanted to deal, wanted to start with the MLB issue first, and that's Dylan Cease. That's the top ten starting pitchers right now, as named by MLB.com. They you know they they do this by putting it through um, you know some uh, some sabermetrics. Some preferences. It's I, they used to call it the shredder. I don't think they call it the shredder anymore. You know, Brian Kenny would get up there and and do that whole. Thing. Oh no, it is the shredder. It is still the shredder. 
It's a whole MLB network research team, and they call him the Shredder. So here's your top 10. Corbin Burns, the Milwaukee Brewers, is number one. Justin Verlander is number two. He was not ranked last year. Carlos Rodon of the New York Yankees. Last year, the Giants, and year before that, of the Chicago White Sox. Congratulations to Rodon for one really amazing stretch of baseball here from, from 21 with the White Sox and, and being non-tendered to working himself up to a big deal with the New York Yankees. You don't have to root for him anymore, at least not when he pitches for the White Sox, but he's a tough guy, you know, to not root for from the, from the outside looking in. He's three. Max Scherzer's four. Sandy Alcantara from Miami Marlins. He's five, not ranked last year. Shohei Otani, you may have heard of him. He's six, not ranked last year. Max Fried of the Braves, not ranked last year. He's seven. Zach Wheeler of the Phillies, number eight. He was sixth. Jacob DeGrom of the Rangers, who is the number one starting pitcher ranked uh, right now, going into last year, has fallen to nine. And Julio Urias of the Dodgers, who was not ranked last year, is number 10. You may have noticed, and I kind of set you up for it, that Dylan Cease is not on this list. Now, I spent some time on White Sox Weekly's past leading up to Major League Baseball's All-Star Game talking about how Dylan Cease really should be an All-Star in 2022. In fact, and I I think I mentioned this last week and maybe even the week before, it's still something I'm kind of beating myself up for, even though I've apologized to Dylan for it. I I don't know, maybe he still harbors something. But I had Dylan on as a guest on White Sox Weekly just before the All-Star, before teams were announced. I think it was before the Sox headed to Minnesota for that final series before the break. And quite frankly, we talked pretty honestly about kind of expecting to be an all-star. I asked him, you know, I said, you know, it's not done yet. And he said, of course it's not. And I don't want to put, you know, the cart before the horse or the eggs before they hatch or anything like that. But, you know, we kind of thought it was a done deal. And he was not named an all-star. Then he finished second in Cy Young voting to Justin Verlander. Had a damn good shot. Of, of perhaps taking that. It would have been difficult. But, you know, there's that showdown between Cease and Verlander late in the year as the White Sox played the Astros. And, you know, some numbers kind of slipped for Dylan. There was uh, an innings situation where he could have taken him out. Verlander was hurt with a calf injury for like three and a half weeks, and there was a spot there where Dylan could have really pushed in some starts, maybe gone a little deeper, maybe been a little better uh, and taken over. Instead, he did. still pitched really well, obviously, um, but did not, you know, do enough to really take it from Verlander, and Verlander closed down the stretch really well, too. So, I ask you this. Let's do the eye test first, right? The quote-unquote eye test. And and maybe, you know, now that we're getting into a more balanced schedule next year, remember, teams in the division will only play one another 13 times as opposed to 19 times. It'll be a lot more National League play, something that is absolutely going to affect. Uh, and perhaps we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the show, maybe next week. Vegas, a lot of sports books have set the overs and unders for teams already. And I'll tell you what the White Sox number is. Largely, you can find it at like 83.5, 84.5, right? That's kind of on pace with the rest of the division. The Guardians are favored to win in most places, and the, the Twins and White Sox kind of jockey back and forth for first and second place, or rather, second and third place. All that aside, you. When you look at some of the projections from last season, when you take into account the fact that the White Sox were going to be, or were rather, an odds-on favorite to win the division, and then met with as much disappointment as they did, there was truly one thing that stood out more than anything else. One player, one performance, one breakout, and then some, and that was Dylan Cease. So when you, when you take a look at the eye test and you look up and down these names, 
there are a handful that that I would say have the the stuff, the uh, domination, the eleven games with one earned or fewer. Th- I mean, the whole deal, right? I mean, yes, Corbin Burns is really and like I said, maybe with the National League play, maybe seeing more teams, more teams on the senior circuit in twenty three, you'll get a better view. I would imagine. I mean, Corbin Burns is a little bit different. I would guess that a lot of White Sox fans have seen Burns seeing as the Brewers play in the National League Central. The the time difference, right? I mean, they're starting their games right about when the White Sox do. So if you're flipping around, what have you, on your MLB network or something like that, maybe you're catching a Corbin Burns start because he's pitching at the same time. And you're flipping back and forth. But, I, you know, there... There are other names on here where you go, yeah, very good. Jacob DeGrom, absolutely. Does he post? Because Dylan Cease has posted 32 times last year. In fact, each of the last two seasons. Sandy Alcantara goes deep into ball games. Absolutely. He's for the Miami Marlins and, and led baseball in, uh, in innings pitch last year. He's absolutely terrific. So he's got that. But I, I think what, what I, I think what knocks Dylan perhaps more than any other stat and what knocks him more than than any other knock that any one of these guys could have Burns, Verlander, Rodon, Scherzer, Alcantara, Otani, Freed, Wheeler, DeGrom, and Arias are are the walks and this is where you know I I think why I think you've like I said at the start I think you've got a beef about not having your guy about not having Dylan Cease considered either by you know by these metrics by the guys who talk whatever as a top 10 guy. He finished second in the Cy Young in the American League, for goodness sakes. He is a top 10 guy. But as the as the math, which I like, you know, the shredder, the projections have kicked it out, I would guess, in fact, I probably could promise you, that the reason Cease is not broken into that top 10 right now is plain and simple, the total walks. He led baseball with 78 walks last year. Despite all that, had 32 starts, 184 innings, struck out an absolute boatload, 227 batters, more than he did last year, another top 10 White Sox franchise record season in strikeouts with 227, uh, 22nd in MVP voting, second in AL Cy Young. However, what, what is very clear about how some of this, some of the, the shredder is kind of prioritizing what they value in pitchers is something that Ethan Katz has talked about a lot, is something that Dylan has talked about a lot, is something that we've talked a lot about in, in individual starts for Dylan sees. 78 walks cuts outings short over the course of a, of a whole year, right? We were just talking about the opportunity he had with Justin Verlander on the injured list last year, the calf injury, for him to make a whole bunch of starts and make a push, you know, to take over. Had he gone deeper into starts, had he lasted just a little bit longer, had he kind of been a, a little bit more of the quote-unquote horse, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more Sandy Alcantara in him, perhaps that puts him there. However, I, I think when a guy like Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, points out Dylan's great, as good as they get, he's the guy we want on the mound. The whole thing, right? He's probably going to be the opening day starter for the White Sox. There is very clearly, Ethan puts that points this out, and a lot of others have. I think we've mentioned it a couple of times. Dylan has, too. There's very clearly a next level for him to get to. Because if he just snapped 20 walks, it would still be 58. A lot. That's 23. I mean, that's just, there's a lot of room to improve there. And given the fact that he's got the stuff needed 
to wipe out base runners, to uh, to eliminate hitters via the strikeout, and a lack of ball in play, those walks didn't hurt him the way they did other pitchers. In a very real way, the, the fact that he walked 78 elevates him, in a lot of opinions, because he's able to keep those guys from coming around the base paths in a way that other pitchers probably wouldn't be. So... I, I get it's been a big topic in, in a lot of different places, and I, I think it's worthwhile. I think it's absolutely worthwhile talking about. And it's, there's no shade, really, that I, I want to throw at anyone on this list. There's How could you, right? These are guys that you'd kind of... These are all guys you're starting in a Game 7 scenario, probably, with with very few exceptions, and, and those would have to be due to injury. So, or with Otani's case, making sure he's able to do both on the same day, to hit and pitch, right? Um, but I, it's a larger piece of conversation around the White Sox right now, and I, I thought it was worth talking about just a little bit. Dylan Cease is, in my mind, I think in a lot of minds, absolutely a top-tier starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, and absolutely a top-10 guy in the American League. He is, according to MLB Network and the Shredder, not a top-10 starting pitcher right now. Hopefully it's a chip on the shoulder he's able to pitch with and put the White Sox in a really good position to win a whole bunch of ball games come 2023. There is, there's more beef, I think, and it's, it's kind of good to feel just a little bit this way here in, in February, isn't it? Does it feel a little bit good to start getting kind of, I don't know, feisty about a baseball season coming up? I'm looking forward to things. I know you are too. And we'll get to that, that next piece of beef, one of the big pieces for the White Sox coming up in 2023 is going to be Oscar Colas, it seems. There there are some ways that might not pan out. There are some ways that perhaps he doesn't get the opportunity that looks like he has now. But from where we sit, February 4th, it certainly looks as though Oscar Colas could be a big-time player for the White Sox. And I'm going to talk about why his placement, or lack thereof, on a lot of top 100 prospect lists is an issue and isn't all at the same time. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. White Sox Weekly with Connor McKnight. On the home of the White Sox. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. <laughs> Back to White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. You can become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five, pre-sales, and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash insider today. Just got done talking about the uh, the Dylan Cease situation. There's no real situation. MLB Network uh, did not snub him from their top 10 starting pitcher right now, and we kind of had the argument with ourselves here on the show. Wanted to get to one more, uh, another extra, you know, kind of issue that's been going back and forth in in baseball forums and Reddit pages and Twitter. Is Twitter still a thing? I think Twitter's still a thing. You can find us at ESPN White Sox, by the way. I'm at C1 McKnight. All the the information about our our programming, our White Sox radio network, it's right there at ESPN White Sox. And I'll be headed down to spring training in a couple of weeks uh, for the very first week of spring training. You can follow me on Twitter at C1 McKnight uh, for all the goings on down there in Glendale. I hope to be pretty active on the old Twitter machine. 
assuming it's still working. The top prospect lists all come out around this time, and they they have. I mean, if there's, there's probably a few uh, that have yet to come out in places you like. I, I think Baseball Prospectus might be one that doesn't have one out yet, but Baseball America, uh, MLB Network, MLB Pipeline, their online service, uh, Network, all the same thing. Keith Law, who's I really like his writing. I really like his scouting eye. I really like he's for The Athletic now. He's got his top 100 out. Kylie McDaniel, who's the prospect writer for ESPN.com and a darn good one. Has his stuff out. I may have mentioned Baseball America, uh, so I, I will again in case I didn't. They're all out. And I wanted to run through some of the placement on, of, of two major White Sox, and actually a third bonus White Sox on some of these lists. Just real quickly here, and I highly recommend... I mean, these are... If you are a... If you're a baseball nerd like me, if you're really into the the prospect projection of things, the the roster building, the deep dives, right? I I played in a, a side note here. I, I played in a dynasty fantasy league years ago. I, I no longer play in it because the thing got so into it was you were fantasy rostering forty man rosters, uh, drafting and developing players. It was a whole. It was awesome. It was so so awesome. Uh, and you know, everybody was bound to contracts like this. But if you're doing stuff like that, if you're into things. Like that, or maybe you're an out of the park baseball player, or maybe you like MLB the show a ton and really like doing the deep dives on, on prospects and upload all of those as they come into the big leagues and, and do the whole scouting system and whatnot. I, people really get into the prospect evaluation part of this game. I think it's I think it's really, really fun to say nothing of the fact that you know, maybe you don't live here in Chicago, you're listening elsewhere. Uh, you're down in Peoria. You've got minor league teams there. You're out in Fort Wayne. You got the the tin caps out there. There's a lot of maybe you're up in Appleton. You got the Timber Rattlers. There are a lot of minor league uh, ballparks where you can go see these prospects come all the way through. And I think that helps bond people to, if not teams, then certainly players. Right? I I grew up. I, I spent a little bit of time in Fort Wayne as a kid, and I I remember Matt Lawton. Remember Matt Lawton? He's a Minnesota twin for a while. I, I, I know he wasn't any White Sox fans' favorite because Matt Lawton had a couple of good years uh, with the Twins and some other places too. But Lawton was, I mean, he was hot stuff when he was playing for the, I think it was the Fort Wayne Wizards at the time. And I remember going to a couple games in a, in a couple of different summers, or maybe it was you know, one one summer and a whole bunch of games. And Lawton was just crushing left and right. I mean, he was, he was like, I was like seven or nine or something like that. How could you not love Matt Lawton? It was great. Do you follow him throughout his big league career? And I think I might have even had a Matt Lawton jersey at some point because I, I watched him as a little kid. It was fun. Anyway, these prospect lists are out. Colson Montgomery is, by and large, or, or by far, the White Sox top ranked prospect. He has shot up rankings in this last year. And, and why wouldn't he? I mean, the, the way he played uh, last season. With the fifty something on fifty something games of on base, uh, there, there there's a bat to ball profile here. There is a projection in the frame. When when you say he's a he's a tall kid, he's a little thin, but it looks like he could add some good weight, some good power, the whole thing. Um, I there's a, there's a little bit of question. I think if you read these scouting reports, whether a six four two oh five kid is going to be able to stay at shortstop. Much the same as we asked those questions of Corey Seager, the Dodgers, as he was coming up, and now the Rangers. Uh, the White Sox have talked a lot 
that they believe Colson Montgomery can stay at short, but third base is available to him, and, and with that profile and perhaps with the power that he could get into, he could play really well over at that corner. You like to have kind of multiple places for a player to play when he's got a bat like Colson Montgomery. He moved through A, uh, low A, high A, and double A last year. Also played a little rookie ball in 2021, but largely I'm going to throw that out. Last year across three levels, low A, high A, and double A. He was a promotion in the Project Birmingham uh, event last year. He had 274 with 381 on base and slugged 429. He is the Sox top prospect, and he's a darn good one. Overall, uh, spots like MLB Pipeline have him at 38. Keith Laws got him at 25. Kylie McDaniel with ESPN had him at 15, the 15th best prospect in baseball. Baseball America had him 39. So you got yourself a top 40 guy for sure. Oscar Colas, the number one international signee of the White Sox just a couple of years ago, is has got a clear path in right field, at least the way it sits right now. Gavin Sheets is there, and you're going to have to come take it from him, I think, knowing Gavin the way I do. There are some other options, perhaps, for the White Sox out in right, but it really does seem as though, you know, with, with general manager Rick Hahn mentioning Colas, um, at, at, when, when asked about right field very early on in the offseason, like, Colossus is going to be a guy that gets an opportunity. He hits left, he throws left, 6'1", 220, good defensive profile, a guy who could probably probably spell you in center field uh, if you absolutely needed him to in a couple of different, you know, in a tight spot, maybe you're moving Colossus over to center. You don't want to have to do that, obviously. I only mention it uh, to kind of relay the athleticism and, and kind of solid outfield play that he's reportedly got. He played across three levels last year, too. High A, Double A, and Triple A. Only seven games at Triple A, so so hold on to that in your brain as I give you some of these numbers. He hit 387 with a 424 on base and slugged 645 in those seven Triple A games. Largely, though, across High A and Double A, it was a, a grand success as well. He hit over 300 at each level. Uh, they're on base over 360 at each level. Slugged 475 in High A, even better, 563. In double A, 59 games in uh, in high A ball, 51 at double A. This is a 24-year-old player who will be very close to 25. His birthday uh, is in September. Very close to 25 uh, when the season starts and will turn 25 in that season. Oscar Colas was 85th on MLB Pipeline's list, not ranked on Keith Law's list, not ranked by Kylie McDaniel, and not ranked by Baseball America. So we've got an issue here. And I think you know, this is another kind of topic that I, I think many White Sox fans have kind of been uh, stewing over online. And I completely understand why. This is kind of where we have the conversation and the kind of conversation that fits it well or fits itself well to this kind of, you know, to, to being back and forth on Twitter and, and to being back and forth on message boards and, and stuff like that. I, I think this is a worthy conversation. And here's my take on this, I suppose. When we when you sit down and do these top 100 prospect lists, I think there is largely a focus on potential upside, on high-end potential upside. It's why a guy, and I'm, I'm going to pick him because he's he came up in this city and he plays in this division right now, and he was well talked about in Chicago baseball media for years and years and years all the way up until his debut. Javi Baez, right? Javier Baez, when he came up 
and all through the minors, had more power than you could possibly imagine and more strikeout potential than you could possibly imagine. High risk, high reward. And, you know, for one brilliant year when he finished runner-up to Christian Yelich in NL MVP, he had it all together, or at least almost all of it together, and a whole hell of a lot of power and a great glove at shortstop at the time that put him up there in second place in the NL MVP voting. But you, you've seen over the last, you know, two seasons or so, his departure from the Cubs, his first year with the Tigers, how that strikeout potential, that very high-risk profile, can sink a player's value like that offensively. I mean, defensively, you know, Baez did have some throwing errors, a whole bunch of them over there. But I, I would bet that he's able to get himself back to you know, well above average at shortstop. And he's got second base available to him as well. Um, defensively, he'll hold his own. But he was signed to that contract, and he's got that potential because of his offensive firepower. So let's kind of place that framework on the idea of Oscar Colas. I gave you the slugging percentages. They're good numbers, right? So maybe you're going counter, but you're 23 home runs over 117 minor league games. And he played seven of them at, the, at Charlotte, which as, as we start talking about prospects over the next couple of weeks here and into spring training, when we see some of these kids come up and play a little bit with White Sox having as many guys as they do on, um, on World Baseball Classic rosters and perhaps on some teams that could go a long way, it is important to remember that Charlotte, the ballpark in Charlotte, it is gorgeous. It is uh, sought after. I mean, you talk to trip, guys who are in AAA, and one of their favorite stops along the way in terms of a, a city feel, a ballpark feel, the whole thing, it's Charlotte, right? I mean, it, it's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous backdrop and a really cool city and everything like that. But it is a band box. I mean, all you got to do is tap the baseball, and it's going to go about 450 feet. Say, go look, look no other place than, than Davis Martin, right? Last year, he had better stats at AA and in Major League Baseball, <laughs> in the bigs, than he did at AAA Charlotte, pitching you know kind of the same as he did. I, I'd be hard-pressed to think, oh, Davis just couldn't hold it together at AAA. No, 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 no. It's, just, it's a really tough place to pitch and a nice, easy place to hit. So with that out of the way, I think when you look at the scouting profiles for Oscar Colas, he's a lefty swinger. Who's very, very aggressive. He likes to get out after the pitch. He likes to swing. He's got a really good bat to ball profile. Think, and I'm not saying at all they're the same uh, type of hitter, uh, just maybe in one facet of approach. Think Tim Anderson, a guy who likes to swing a lot and can make a lot of contact. Now, when we watch Tim Anderson come up in his first couple of years, we saw the bat to ball ability, the quick wrists, the whole thing, but it took him a little bit to find out how he could make dangerous contact or dangerous enough contact with stuff on the outside part of the plate, right? And now we just see him flip everything out in there to right. It's a single if you put it out there. And if you lead it over too much of the plate, even if it is on the outside corner, he can take you the other way for a home run when he's right. I mean, that's that's he's dangerous that way. There are questions, it seems, by some of these different places that do the whether Coloss has that ability to hit stuff on the outside corner, granted from the lefty side, for power. So as I look through these, these, these lists, there are some wondering whether Oscar Colas is the player he's been billed to be over the last little bit. I don't think that's the case at all. I think he is the guy that's, that had been billed as a top prospect, if not 
you know, top 100 than certainly in the system. And a guy who can be a major league regular. Listen, there, there may not be at 24, close to 25, there just may not be the push by some of these places, some of these outlets, and I can't blame them, to put a guy like Coloss over other players of the exact same profile, right? The exact same scouting report, the guys you could drop in the same skill bucket, but who are 21 or 22 or 19 or what have you, right? I mean, if you're, if you're building the franchise, right? If you're taking your draft picks, you are probably drafting the younger player and hoping for a longer run-up. You know, that, that the struggles that Coloss may face in his first big league year at age 24, going on 25, aren't something that sets back his age 25, age 26 season. Because then you're starting to get deep into it. As a 19 and 21-year-old or whatever, obviously, you've got more runway. You're younger. You get it, right? I mean, it's just what it is. But just because Coloss may have had, I don't know, some, some tarnish on the overall profile... I don't think that means he can't be what the White Sox need right now. Keep in mind that although Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets worked really hard to get themselves better at playing outfield last year, neither, based on outs above average, were very good at all. Vaughn had a disastrous season defensively uh, based on outs above average, and Gavin Sheets was a lot better, but still underwater when it comes to that. Now, Sheets, I think, is a guy who's, who's going to play some right field for the White Sox next year. Being a lefty stick helps a lot on a team that's looking for lefty pop and patience. The hope is that Coloss can bring you both, but with, with certainty, he is at least, he ought to be at least an average right fielder, if not much better than that. I think that does wonders for the White Sox, just defensively. I think with Andrew Benintendi in left and mixing in with the rest of this lineup, now the hope is that Coloss, if he does make his Major League debut this year, which I, I think you're definitely going to see, the question is whether he breaks camp with the team for March 30th against the Astros. You've absolutely got a player that can fit in the lower third of the lineup, that can be an everyday regular in terms of defensive work. And I also think this. There's, along with this kind of, I don't know, reevaluation of Oscar Colas, based on a lot of these prospect lists, I think there's been a question of whether Coloss should be... Listen, nobody, nobody's given a starting spot, right? you got to earn it. And, and in case and if you're going, well, guys have contracts, they've earned them. Yeah, but they earned them last year. And it doesn't matter when you... you know, Some of these things you, you got to earn now, some of them you earned last year. Like Dylan Cease, if he has a bad spring, still going to start opening day, you know what I mean? But I think with Coloss... This roster has the talent to win now. This this roster has the talent to win in this division right now. So taking a 24-year-old who has played minor league baseball in Japan, uh, had to you know sit because of visa issues and COVID and the whole thing, and, and not play a whole lot of ball, he's, he's in a lot of ways ready to play in big league ball. So the White Sox, you know, assuming he has a good spring and he checks some boxes, would, would be just kind of aligned in their philosophy to make this player ready to roll for the 2023 season. So that's kind of that's where I come down on the sit versus, I don't know, stash and develop Oscar Colas. Um, given the, the players the White Sox have on their 40-man right now, I think playing Colas is, is the right way to go. If that changes, if trades are made, if, if a first division starting right fielder is, is signed by the Sox, traded for by the Sox at this point, then, then sure, that really evaluates everything. Um, but that hasn't happened yet, and, and Colas, to me, stands out as the guy that's best to play. 
Lots more to come here on White Sox Weekly. We'll get to some of the uh, players signed by the White Sox, some some interesting you know, potential flyer-type guys. We'll get to some of the things Chris Getz said about the team's depth as well. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. On the home of the Chicago White Sox. ESPN 1000. Welcome back into White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, if you're planning a special occasion and looking for the perfect location, we've got you covered. When you reserve your group outing for 2023, you get priority access to the biggest matchups and the best space for your group. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash groups. Uh, talked a lot uh, about some national headlines concerning the White Sox. You know, Dylan Cease not making the top 10 MLB pitchers right now, starters. Uh, that was from MLB Network. A lot of the scouting reports, the top 100s are out. We talked about Oscar Colas not being on that list. We talked about Colson Montgomery very much being on a lot of those lists. In case you missed any of that, you can download the podcast. Just download the ESPN Chicago app. Every single White Sox Weekly and all of our shows here on the station is uh, downloadable right there on the app. You press it, it plays. You press it, it downloads. It's a a very good app. It works. So go ahead and check those out in case you missed some of the interviews uh, from weeks past. Should have some fun stuff from Arizona coming up here in just a few weeks. We're getting close. I told you that I wanted to uh, talk a bit about some additions the White Sox made. Minor league additions, yes. But I think... You know, some of the teams are starting to grab the rest of the pitching right now. It feels like a lot of big time free agents have signed. Now, there are some guys you know, like Michael Waka or Chris Archer or Dylan Bundy who have major league track records. Yes. There are concerns in an over 30 situation with just about all of them. Uh, Joe Ross, I think, is still out there. Zach Greinke signed. Dallas Keuchel hasn't. Mike Miner hasn't. Yeah, these are the names that that are out there at this point. Um, so minor league ads, guys who you know spot starter type dudes, guys who get called up to start the first half of a doubleheader and then are sent back down to the minors. These are the kind of guys that change hands at this point. And the White Sox made a deal yesterday with the Boston Red Sox, not of a guy like that, but uh, of a, of a hard throwing reliever, Franklin German, uh, pardon, Franklin German. I always want to say German. It's Franklin German, uh, picked up. They moved Theo Denlinger, a right-hander to the Boston Red Sox for German. Jason Billis, who you may have heard, uh, the name come up. He was on the 40 man roster for a little while, right-handed pitcher. Uh, there was some hopes for Billis and who knows, he could be added back to the roster, but he was DFA'd to make room. It had been a really rough 2022 for Jason Billis. Anyway, German has a 95, 97, pardon, 97 mile an hour fastball and is one of the guys, he's 25, going to turn 26 in September. Mentioned he has the 97 mile an hour fastball. He was Boston's minor league pitcher of the year last year. And a, a big reason for that, it seems, is it was his first season moving from the rotation into full time bullpen work. 6'2, 195, a 272 ERA in 49 and two thirds innings across double A and triple A for Boston. A 32, nearly 33% strikeout rate, which is good. He got shelled in four innings in big league ball. Uh, twenty, as I said, twenty two, two thousand twenty two was his first full bullpen season. So maybe there's some uh, some work that can be done there, some steps that can be made. That's obviously a big uh, transition point and, and potentially a big gainer for a lot of guys who kind of fit. The, think of um, 
Think of Jimmy Lambert, for instance, a guy who may go back to starting, who knows, but who made that switch last season and really excelled out of the bullpen for the White Sox. A.J. Alexi was at and every time. Listen, if A.J. makes the big league roster, I'm going to say A.J. Alexi, and then you're going to think, Alexi, because you have to. Uh, anyway, A.J. Alexi added, kind of bounced around the DFA no-man's land for a little while, 25 years old in April, Dodgers draft pick in 2016. Right-hander, you know, tall, bigger guy, 94 with the fastball, 84 with the slider, kind of a, a very standard right-handed delivery stuff. He's got a good strikeout rate. In 2021, that was kind of his big year. 22 was was tough for him last season. 21, though, a 166 ERA, over 65 minor league innings, 30% K rate, very good. 11% walk rate, not very good. He's got to find the strike zone, and he's got to have the stuff to work around when he's not finding the strike zone. But there's an ad for you. Much more of a starter's profile there. And when you start to think about the depth the White Sox have or don't have, um, from a starting pitching perspective, it's kind of why I brought up these names here, uh, Alexi more than Franklin German, um, but also some of the free agents. I mean, I listen, we don't know what the roster situation is going to be for the starting rotation. I, I don't know when or if Mike Clevenger's situation will be resolved or still being determined by the time uh, pitchers and catchers report, workouts happen, all that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's worth taking a look at... at um, at the marketplace and seeing what kind of arms like this may move to the White Sox uh, and in a big way, you know, like guys that, that could really kind of provide some major league innings if injuries hit. You've got to protect yourself on that 40-man roster. Back to close things up on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. This is ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Closing it up here on White Sox Weekly, I'm Connor McKnight. You can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the White Sox on social media today. They're at White Sox everywhere. If you follow the White Sox on Twitter or us, ESPN White Sox, you might have seen the cool thing that you can do to send a message of support to Liam Hendricks, White Sox closer, as he battles non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Just go to the website, whitesox.com. Click Team Liam or Google uh, or just, you know, hit your browser and search Chicago White Sox Team Liam. That'll bring you there. Uh, And what you can do is send a video message of support to Liam Hendricks and his wife, Christy. Uh, They have been there for so many, boy, White Sox fans events, charity events, all this other, all this kind of stuff. And the work that he and his family do in the community is impressive. Uh, You can give back. You can submit a video uh, of of well wishes to Liam Hendricks and his wife, Christy. Uh, Just go there. There's a form you can fill out. 
and uh, the instructions on how you can, you know, kind of record your video, send it in, all the kind of uh, the ins and outs and the what have yous, and all the particulars you need. I thought that's worth mentioning. We'll probably mention it each and every week because it's a good thing that you can do for a good guy in Liam Hendricks, who I'm sure would love to see the videos as he battles back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Connor McKnight. This is is ESPN 1000. Since Tom Brady, game was one, never touched the ball again. They didn't change the rules for him. Or else he'd have gone to four Super Bowls in five years. As it is, he's going to his third Super Bowl in five years after hosting five consecutive AFC Championship games. He's about to win his second MVP. He already has a Super Bowl MVP through the first five seasons as a starter. Patrick Mahomes, it's not close. The greatest quarterback who ever lived, not close. There is no one in his category when you add it all up. GJ and Matt. Followed by Greeny. Mornings on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Exclusively on ESPN Plus, UFC 284, Saturday, February 11th. Two reigning UFC champions collide in a true super fight. Lightweight champion Islam Makashev puts his title on the line against featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky. Plus an interim featherweight championship fight between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Evan. This is MMA at the highest level. UFC 284, Saturday, February 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Fight on ESPNPlus.com slash PPV. Which teams are making moves and which teams need to just flat out move? Your Saturday means I'm locked in and ready for first take right here, Monday, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Hey, it's Greeny. Huge weekend in sports as we count it down to the quarterback carousel and to LeBron James breaking the greatest record in NBA history. We'll be the place to talk about it all week long. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. NBA on ABC Time. Luca. There is Luca Magic! Versus Steph. Curry, way downtown. Curry! Oh, what a shot from Curry! It's hard to look at my resume and not find a reason to toast. I'm counting my blessings. We ain't stressing. Just look at this. It's a beautiful time for basketball. It's Saturday Primetime. Presented by MetaQuest. Mavs versus Warriors at 8.30 Eastern. Tonight on ABC. Home of the NBA Finals. You miss Canty and Carlin. Enough with the stupid bets between cities and mayors. Nobody cares about trading cheesesteaks for barbecue, okay? Let's not do that. It's just silly. As much as I respect the cheesesteak, there is no comparison. Kansas City barbecue? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're taking that all day over a cheesesteak. I'll take the cheesesteak. Oh, you're ridiculous. No. That's because you've lived in Philly and you're still in the area. You're being a homer. Canty and Carlin. Weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. National Bank Studio on State Street. This is ESPN 1000, a good Karma Brands radio station. On WMVP 